What's up, everybody? Tara Wellman here. And first of all, happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you are enjoying your holiday weekend. I'm actually working most of mine, but I prepared this ahead of time and wanted to express my gratitude to you for watching, for participating, for commenting, for sharing in this crazy baseball fandom and being part of this wonderful and wild and weird Cardinals community that helps us get through the regular season and through the off season, because it is still very much winter. There's snow outside to prove it, and we're still very much wondering what the Cardinals are going to do to get better in 2019. And while there hasn't been a whole lot of news on that front, there are new jerseys in play. What do you think about the new old-ish powder blues? Do you like them? Do you hate them? Are you pretty indifferent? Have you even seen them? <laughs> if you want to know what I think about the new uniforms, well, pause. Shameless self-promotion here. Uh, Alex Crisofulli and I just did a podcast about that. The episode of Chirps, where we talk about the baby blues, is up on birdsontheblack.com. Right now, you can listen to it after you finish with this show. Because this is an opportunity to talk about some other things. We'll probably talk about the jerseys too. But I'm very happy to introduce my guest for today, who is Erica Weston. She joined the Fox Sports Midwest team midway through the year last year, and boy was she in for a ride. As we all know, the twists and the turns of the 2018 season for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, this is not really the off-season for her because she covers other sports, but she took a few minutes to talk to me a little bit more about baseball. Here's the interview. So fresh off some big hockey news, Erica Weston joining me now. First of all, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time today. I'm sure it's very busy with the crazy things going on in Blues Hockey Land, <laughs> but how are you? I, I'm good. I'm a little tired. <laughs> um, yeah, things have been uh, things have been a little crazy lately. I During blue season, I also bounce back and forth between here and Indianapolis, so I'm kind of like... What uh, what time zone am I in? So I'm I'm doing a little Pacers and Blues at the time being, but um, yes, it's not been short on any news as of late. That is for sure. I uh, I feel you on the time zone thing. I yeah. spent the last week in Salt Lake City, and I'm still not quite sure what day or time it is most of the exactly. time. But we're exactly, we're getting there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as long as I end up in the right place at the right time, I guess that's all that matters, right? Fingers crossed. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was saying that. To somebody the other day, I was like, I, I hope I know what city I'm supposed to be in at this moment in time. <laughs> well, one thing that you do have going for you with the blues is an adorable puppy to hang out with at work, which I've tried to make the point several times lately that I think every workspace should have a puppy. <laughs> I totally agree. And I think bringing puppies to work or just like a work dog in general, I mean, 
I'm not even joking when I say people should seriously consider it. I think it's a really fascinating concept what the Blues are doing. They're adopting this pup right now. They're socializing him. They're training him. One, once a week, he gets obedience training, and he'll eventually become a service dog. But, uh, yeah, I was a little spoiled last week getting to meet Blues pup Barkley. And uh, I feel bad because Randy Gersh, who's in the Blues office, he's the one that's taking care of Barkley right now. So he takes him home, and he stays in his office during the games at the Enterprise Center. But he walked into the uh, – the blue room last night I'm like hey Randy where's Barkley <laughs> like so good to see you too but where's the dog so but mostly I just want to pet the puppy <laughs> we're here we're here for the puppy exactly yeah. I think that's probably fair most people understand right <laughs> he's so cute how can you not so I know I know um so lots of blues news this week in other sort of related news, blue related, I guess. The Cardinals made an announcement. Yes. Um, Harrison Bader on display with the new old powder blue jerseys this yes. week. What's your take on that? I think it's awesome. You know, it was really funny when I spoke to Harrison Bader last night at the Blues game. He was there to show off the jersey. He'd been there all day at Ballpark Village, kind of making the rounds, showing off the, yeah, like you said, the new old jersey. I feel kind of funny saying the new jersey because they're not new, but they're new now. I don't know. Um, it's very cool. And the response as far as I have seen on social media, has been very positive. You know, obviously it's very nostalgic for the fans of the teams in the 70s and the 80s. I had people messaging me on Instagram saying, that's awesome. Like, I have a blue one from Willie McGee back in the day. So it's really cool and um, just an extension of, of the rich tradition of the Cardinals and, and how, how much they uh, – they really like to do things for the fans. And I think this is something for the fans. Obviously, it's a very cool gesture for the players to get to put on these powder blue jerseys because it reminds them of the history of this franchise. So that's really cool from the player perspective. But from the fans, I mean, there's, it's all about the history of the Cardinals. So I think that was a really cool move. It's kind of funny, though. It sounds like they're like, it sounds like they wouldn't wear them as much. You know, they're just the road alternate Saturday jerseys, which you would think maybe we would want to see them at home so that the fans at home could take a peek at them as well. But there's 162 plus games. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> I think they're winning games uh, at home in particular. I don't think too many people are going to get worked up about what jerseys they're wearing. Exactly. Now, it's interesting talking a little bit about the St. Louis history. You came to St. Louis in a roundabout way from yeah. from the California area, then in Arizona, originally from Colorado, mountain yes. girl after my own heart. Yes. Uh, but what did you know about kind of the thing that is St. Louis baseball before you were dropped right into it in the middle of a very weird season? <laughs> so I, you're absolutely right about that. It was a weird season. Um, I, I, yes, like you said, I grew up in Denver, but I moved to Los Angeles to finish college out there. I graduated out there. I got my feet wet in TV out there. I worked for the Dodgers for three years. I worked for the Dodgers network behind the scenes and doing some of their digital content as well. So during that time, while I'm working and uh, in LA and with the Dodgers, Obviously, at that point in time, the Cardinals were the thorn in their side, you know, like living in Los Angeles. What are you never... possibly talking about? It wouldn't be Kershaw you know? in the postseason, would it? <laughs> 
I remember the first playoff game that I worked the season I was working for the Dodgers. It was um, Dodgers and, and Cardinals, and the game for, the first game was in L.A. And I think it was like before the first batter even, they had the benches had already been cleared. I mean, it was so early on in that game. It was so yes, you know very early on when you get thrown into baseball about the rich history of of the Cardinals and and what they expect, and you just. You know so much about them being a baseball fan, even if you're not completely fully immersed in St. Louis. But they hold a special place in my heart. My grandma uh, was born here. Uh, she passed away just before the Cardinals won their last World Series. And I remember my dad had purchased a jersey, a Cardinals jersey. And we're not, at that time, you know, we weren't considered fans or followers of St. Louis. You know, we're not in that area. We're very much West Coasters as a family. So my exposure to them was very limited, but it was very special for our family when they had won the World Series, um, the last one that they had won, because they were very special to her. She loved the Cardinals. We had her jer the jersey for her in her memory. So they do hold a very special place in, in our hearts and our family. Um, but you also learn so much about the rich, rich history of it as well, even just from afar. It's, it's so fascinating to kind of hear people's stories and how many different ways people are tied to a, a team, whether it's St. Mm -hmm. Louis or another place. I think that's one of the most interesting and fascinating things about sports is that it doesn't matter where you are. There are people who have a tie to a city because of the sports team. And, um, you know, it brings families together. It, it creates generations of, of stories to tell. And, and that's really great. I think that um, people can appreciate that you have a little bit of that St. Louis history um, because someone else in your family loved the team like like so many people in St. Louis do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, why not having come from the Midwest or been in St. Louis, there is a little bit of hesitation when you get a new person coming in, like, what's her tie to St. Louis? What what does she know about this town? It's like, I might not know as much as you want me to at first, originally, you know, I'm, I'm not from here. I wasn't born here. I didn't live here. Um, but there is a, a, a love that goes deep years back. So what was it like then when you did sort of start to immerse yourself in everything that is Cardinals baseball? I mean, it's one thing to do that maybe over an off season to prepare yourself, but mm -hmm. you came in and, and really hit the ground running. And the season from that point took some very strange twists and turns. So what was that challenge like for you? It was very interesting. That's for sure. I kind of almost do it that way. I mean, I know getting there in the off season probably would have been preferable. You you get the background, you get to know everybody. Um, but it was another challenge in itself, really, to kind of just get thrown in and you're off and running and you have to do it. Uh, it, it was interesting trying to build relationships with, with people around the team and, and the coaching staff and the players, considering the tension that was there. Um, based on their performance or, or lack thereof, you know, the results weren't exactly there. So that was difficult. You know, the tensions were high. Uh, but, you know, selfishly, I'm covering a Major League Baseball team and one of the greatest ones in the history of the game. Um, so it was a dream come true for me. As crazy as it might have been, um, it was amazing. So you mentioned getting to know some of the players and the personalities. And it might not seem like this is a team that has the boldest personalities, but there are some guys in that clubhouse, I think, that uh, that are fascinating in their own right. So who are the personalities that stood out as you did get to know some of these guys? Um, yeah, you're right. There, there are a lot of people that are, are pretty uh, 
subdued, I guess, as far as, you know, not letting their personality come out a ton. Um, Matt Carpenter was a great guy to deal with. Every time I would grab him for a walk-off interview towards the end of the season, and let's be honest, there were a lot of them, especially in August. He, he was very, you know, he's just such a, a humble, down-to-earth, nice guy. Every time he would be like, oh, you want to talk to me? It's like, yes, Matt, we clearly we would like to talk to you. Like, you're making history right now. Yes, we would very much like to talk to you. Um, Francisco Pena was a lot of fun to work with. He was very helpful, knowledgeable, welcoming. He was very kind. He, he, he would always, you know, crack little jokes, um, especially with the, the Gatorade and the ice bath dumping because he was – he was the guy that was responsible and in charge of that for for a lot. But you know, after they had gotten me for the first time, they, he felt really bad about it. He was trying to just get the player. I think it was Marcelo Zoni who was just trying to get him, so he felt really bad about it. So he went after Jim Hayes and Scott Warman pretty hardcore. Those pictures are epic. Every time I see the one of Scott, it's like he took a, a blowtorch of Gatorade to the head. It's incredible. Um, but he felt really bad about it, and I was like, no, no, no like please don't feel bad. I, I, I'm not. Offended. I'm not upset. I think it was in Kansas City earlier this season, I believe. Jairo Munoz was out with a wrist injury, and we were talking to him, trying to figure out um, what had happened, what the results were, what the plan was moving forward. And obviously, he deals with the translator, Carlos, because not all of us are fluent in Spanish, although that is my goal to be conversational by the start of the season. That is my goal. <laughs> so we'll see how that how that goes. But he uh, Pena came up to me afterwards, and he goes, hey, are you... Are you? Do you speak Spanish? Are you fluent in Spanish? And I go, no, no, no. I'm, I'm trying, but I'm just listening to see if there are words that I can pick up on. He goes, oh, because you were looking at him like you were understanding what he was saying when he was talking about his injury in Spanish. And I'm like, well, I should have just said yes at that point because <laughs> then I would have had you all fooled. Then I would have been, you know, yes, I am fluent in Spanish. But the joke would have been over as soon as they tried to have a conversation with me uh, in Spanish. And I didn't know what to say. But um, a really, really professional, nice group of guys that I got the pleasure of working with. So I was very lucky in that aspect. I'm glad that you brought up the walk-offs because I wanted to talk about that. Um, <laughs> yes. That's one of those things that I, it maybe is a, a, a rite of passage if you're a, a field reporter of any kind. Yes. Something that I've not yet experienced, but uh, you know, I, I will gladly accept it if it happens at some point. Yes. Um, but what was that? I mean, did, did you see it coming? Did you know that it was going to happen? And then it sort of snowballed into this life of its own after the fact. It totally did. And I got a lot of comments afterwards, like, how could she not see it coming? And I'm like, you guys, there are so many other things that are top of mind in that situation, rather than looking, you know, behind you or over there or whatever, to see if whoever is going to be responsible for the ice bath that day is coming for you. Thinking, I know what, what I want to ask him, what we're going to be talking about. Okay, where's my camera crew? Where are my guys? I got, I'm listening to my producers and, and Dan and whomever the analyst is in the booth that day because if it's a walk-off, walk-off, obviously they're taking that live on the air. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts and things going on. So honestly, no, I never really, I never really saw it coming um, except for when it kept happening over and over. I think it was like two or three <laughs> nights in a row that it happened to me. So at that point I was you know, really seeing what was going on. I had my back turned to the right direction to make sure that I could see who was coming towards me. But um, 
I honestly, like I said, it's it's a lot of fun. It makes you feel like you're part of the crew. Uh, it's it's all in good fun to me. No harm, no foul. Now, in that same light, I have to mention, um, and you brought it up earlier. We kind of have the same hair going on today. Um, we do, yes. As as someone who has dealt with the Midwest humidity, with my hair trying to look <laughs> camera ready at any moment. I feel your pain, but I have yes. to say you you did a very nice job to the point where I remember thinking so many times, man, her hair looks so great. I don't know how that's possible when it's 100 degrees outside and 80% humidity. So just from one fellow hair uh, aficionado to yes. the other, um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> what was it like, though, for you? I mean, you, you said you're not from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um kind of transitioning to the whole the whole culture the 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 climate everything all at once while you're trying to do what you what you know how to do in a place that you're unfamiliar with well top of mind people want to talk about the weather all the time right that's the first thing most people want to talk about and i came from tucson arizona so i went from <laughs> very dry heat and i'm talking triple digits was different and it definitely took some getting used to because Girl, the humidity is unbelievable. Like, you feel like you, I can't, you know, you can't breathe. And then you sweat and it's just even, even worse. You know, sitting down in the dugout when we're traveling on the road is not as glamorous as people might think that it is. Yes, you have really incredible, amazing seats and you get to see all the shenanigans that happen in the dugout next to you. But it's not, it's not as glamorous as it, as it sounds. You know, people always joke when they're from Arizona, oh, it's, it's a dry heat, you know, it's a dry heat. But really, it's true. It really does make a difference because you walk into the shade and you catch a, a breeze of, uh, of air, of wind, and you're like, okay, I can handle this now. So yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. Um, I was definitely, as far as immersing myself in St. Louis culture and and figuring it all out and and, um, getting to know the fans of the city, the first thing that I noticed was how kind and how welcoming everybody in this town is. I was blown away by that. Uh, I was blown away by the response on social media, people welcoming me after my first game. I was blown away um, because, you know, I am a female in a male-driven industry, and these baseball fans in St. Louis uh, deserve the best, and rightfully so, because the team has delivered and given that to them for, for decades now. And it's in, you know it's very important for me to make sure that I know what I'm talking about, and I know exactly what's happening with this team because they deserve that. And they were incredibly kind and incredibly welcoming. So, like I said, you know, working in Major League Baseball was always the dream of mine, and I couldn't have been happier with getting here and finally getting my feet wet and just seeing how kind and how welcoming everybody was here, even, like, physically in the stadium. I don't mean just on social media. People, hey, Erica, how's it going? Like, I love that. You know, come talk to me. People uh, always say, what's the best part about this job? And I know they're expecting us to say, oh, we're going to be on TV. No, that's just like, that is the last thing I think about when I'm preparing for, you know, a live hit during a game or a pregame show. That's the last thing I'm talking about. This is all about the relationships that we're building, right? It's about the relationships with the team, bringing them to the fans who don't necessarily will ever get to have a personal interaction with them. But it's also the fans around it. And that was something I experienced last night at the Blues game. It's all about the people and the connections that you're making within that organization because it's the team itself that's kind of bringing us all together. It's all about the relationships. I love hearing that. And I also just want to say that I love seeing 
um, Fox Sports Midwest bring in uh, another woman to be a part of their team. There's not a lot of that in the St. Louis sports media. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, I think there should be more of it. So I'm glad to see that um, you came in and took that spot. And I think everyone uh, would agree you've done a wonderful job. And uh, we're very excited to have you as a part of that. Now, as far as that goes, there's plenty to talk about. Um, as with with the off season and the blues season and what you're doing with the Pacers yes. and all of those things, but let's let's circle back to baseball for a minute. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of news right now as far as the off season, but it's sort of hot stove season. Things are starting to get a little bit warmer, although everything's moving pretty slowly at this point. Are you a mm -hmm. big hot stove person? Do you like kind of seeing all the possibilities that that teams are throwing out this time of year? I do. Um, a couple of years ago, I remember every single day I would turn on MLB Network and watch their hot stove show because I just couldn't get enough of what was going on. And it's just this crazy carousel of rumors that nobody can really figure out until it actually happens. And generally, the people that are pontificating on all of this stuff end up to be true. You know, that's why they have these jobs, because they're very good at them. Um, I'm fascinated by it, but I know that last off season, the hot stove season was very much a mild stove season. It was so uneventful. Nothing really happened. And I was still living and working in Tucson at the time. And I talked to a former baseball player, like, why, why do you think this is happening? And nobody could really give us an answer. Nobody really had any sort of explanation as to why things were moving as slow as they were. Um, and it kind of feels like that might happen again this season. It, you know, it's been a little bit, uh, more exciting, I guess you could say, at the start of the offseason than it was last year, but it kind of seems like that might be the case again. But I love it because any time of the day between November, what, 5th and January, if there's any sort of baseball news, like sign me up, you know, I'm involved. I want to hear about it. I want to talk about it because we're crazy, nut, psycho, obsessed with baseball. So anytime we get an opportunity to talk about it and maybe kind of see what things might look like for a particular team next season. I'm all about it. So yeah, I love the hot stove season. Well, there's obviously a lot of talk about Bryce Harper, um, myself included. I've spent a lot of time talking about <laughs> why I think he's such a great fit for St. Louis. Um, when you look at what this team did last year and and who kind of stepped up and, and made a name for themselves and, and maybe where some of the, the failures were for this team, is there a particular thing that you would like to see this, this Cardinals team try to do over this offseason? Uh, as far as the offseason is concerned or how their play is? Well, in preparation field. for next year, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously glaring issues that the team needs to address. And that was, I think Bill DeWitt talked a little bit about that yesterday. You know, they have the capital to do so. They have the ability to spend money. It's just now wait and see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh, but everybody's well aware of the fact that that's maybe upgrades need to be made at certain positions on the field. The bullpen, I think, is an issue for every major league team. You know, there I don't think there is a team out there that's going to sleep right now thinking, oh, our, our bullpen is fine. You know, I remember and Andrew Friedman saying back in the day, the bullpen is what keeps me up at um, so I think that's obviously an area of concern. I'm glad to see, you know, players that had injuries, nagging injuries during the season are getting those taken care of. They're taking the not necessary precautions to um, deal with that and come back better and, and, and ready to go. Uh, but, you know, the Cardinals, they had hot August, right? And they were kind of too far under that uh 
500 mark by the time things got hot in August to really make a push. They have a great set of players on their team right now. They have a lot of aging veterans. Unfortunately, sometimes that can come back to haunt you. Um, Yes, small upgrades need to be made. I think a lot of people have been talking about that third base position, that hot corner. We'll see what happens there. The natural move would obviously be having Carpenter over at first base because you have to keep him in, right? you got to keep that production there. Um, so I'm interested to see what, what kind of moves may be done. I know that you know we're sitting here and we're probably not hearing anything about what's going on, but lots of phone calls and conversations are being made because obviously – they want to get this team back into the postseason. They obviously, three seasons not in the postseason is not something we're used to seeing. And, and I don't think they're going to tolerate that again. So Mike Schilt deserves the best opportunity to get this team back there. And I think they're going to do everything they can in their power to give him that team, that best case scenario team um, to get him there. I'm glad you brought up Mike Schilt. That was the last question I wanted to ask you. Obviously, he was sort of thrust into the spotlight, which is not a place he really likes to be. But from everything that I've heard from everyone that I've talked to who had a chance to interact with him, he handled it brilliantly as far as the team is concerned, as well as, you know, the media and the way that he interacted with people and, and tried to um, kind of state his case if necessary, but mm -hmm. also be aware of how many people really genuinely care about the results on the field and the process as well. So what do you think Mike Schilt can do for this team or can bring to this team starting from the beginning of a year rather than trying to climb back up from the hole that they were in in the middle of the season? Well, I mean, if you just take a look about how, a look back at how he was thrust into this situation and how successful he was and how quickly we saw changes being implemented, um, not just in personnel, not people he maybe was playing over others or people or pitchers that were coming into the game other over other players. Uh, everything changed very quickly and we saw the results. So I know that everybody has been talking about, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with a spring training under his belt. And I am totally in that camp because you look at the results that he got when he came in at the middle of July, that incredible month of August that they had. And unfortunately they just kind of ran out of gas. And I think when people were critical of, of him and the decisions that he made at the end of the season, yeah, of course there's going to be decisions that he made that he probably would second guess. He admitted that himself in, a, in an interview that, that uh, came out a, a week or so ago. He's, He's very candid about that, about certain in-game decisions that maybe didn't work out for him. But he talked about that all the time. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you, you're going to have to live with the decisions that you make. Um, in my limited experience in, in Major League Baseball, obviously I was in L.A. and, and now I'm here in, in St. Louis. I will say that he's one of the most incredibly genuine and kind, thoughtful people in this industry I have ever had the pleasure of working with. Uh, and you can easily see that these guys want to play for him. They want to show up every day for him because he is so overly prepared. If you, if I, if I were his player, I would feel like if I didn't show up every day and give my best, I, it would be an insult to him because he's so incredibly gifted at the amount of baseball knowledge that he has. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And not only that, just the way that he deals with people, talks to them, approaches them. Um, it, it's, it's second to none. And, and you mentioned that 
He doesn't like to be in the spotlight, which I think is kind of funny because he's very talkative when you put a microphone in front of his face, right? He taught, he's, he's like, I'm not, you know, this is not a very comfortable situation for me. But you saw him towards the end of the season just holding court. And every day he's having these great conversations with all of us members of the media. And he always had something valuable and something meaningful every single day. It wasn't just, you know, oh, we got to get out there and try harder. You know, he always had substance behind it. And he was very candid with his responses after the game if something maybe didn't work out. We had a candid conversation towards the end of the season, he and I, because, you know, we're the, I work for the team partner and, and he's the manager of the Cardinals and, and he wanted to talk about how he's been um, dealing with the media and if there was any feedback I could possibly offer him. And I'm like, listen, he wanted our opinion, you know, speaks volumes. To, that's kind of how he manages. He asks for everybody's input and he's spoken a lot about that. Um I just have so much respect for him and the way that he, he he handles his business. And he wanted to make sure, you know, things were getting kind of tenuous toward the end of the season, that he was answering his questions in a, in a cautious, careful manner, and that he was being patient because a lot of people were pressing the issue about, uh, you know, who the closer might be at the end of the season last year. And he was very cautious with his answers and, and uh, respectful. And that's pretty much all you can ask for of him. So I am incredibly excited to see what he can do next season out when he has a full camp under his belt with this team. Um, he deserves it. Well, he was absolutely fascinating to watch and to see him kind of develop into that guy that was able to hold court, as you said. And mm -hmm. of course, the fan base, I think, really appreciated the transparency, but also <laughs> the the local media, yourself included, that would ask some tough questions and then let him answer. So it was a crazy season, a, a fascinating one to watch. I'm sure a, a bit of a challenging one to be a part of, but um, we're, we're all excited to see you and the team this next spring. And uh, thank you for, for sharing a little bit of your experience with us today. Absolutely. This was awesome. Like we talked about, you know, anytime we get a chance to sit down and, and reminisce and talk about baseball <laughs> and look forward to next season um, game, because you know what, we're going to wake up and it's going to be February and pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting and I can't wait for the day. <laughs> always, always starting that countdown early. But for now, it is Thanksgiving weekend. So Erica, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, Tara. You can keep up with Erica on Twitter. It's Erica L. Weston on Twitter. And you can also follow her through the blues season. She's doing some Pacers coverage. Girl's just killing it, doing what she loves. And I love that. So again, huge thanks to Erica for joining me today. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you did, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the Birds on the Black iTunes channel if you're listening to this in the audio-only format. And you can always just find other episodes or other content at birdsontheblack.com. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you next time.